Welcome back, listeners, to this week's episode of If I Only Knew. Today, I'm joined by my excellent co-host, Fred. Fred, do you want to say hi? G'day, guys. And uh, today, we're kind of following on a tiny bit from our uh, episode last time that was about video games and culture. And I feel like we might not have done justice to the way that individuals can create culture within video games themselves. So I wanted to briefly draw a, a bit of a tangent between video game structures and video and individuals within video games. So I think that we often like feel that people's behavior is defined either by the structures around them um, and so they aren't like agent full within that space or or they're uh, influenced by their own behaviors and decisions and thus perfectly responsible for everything that they do. Um, but I think I'd prefer to look a little bit at some of the ways that um, individuals make choices within these structures, right? So the voice chat of Dota that we talked about last time, like gives you lots of freedom on how you choose to interact with people, but it also ensures that everyone will make judgments about you based on your voice, because that's what tends to happen in these games. Um, whereas the restricted chat options of Rocket League provide some of the least options available for people to choose how they want to communicate, but there might be a culture of missing out on something that means people want to free text instead of using um, these pre-recorded things. So I wanted to look a little bit at how individuals like kind of make use of the structures within video games to make better or worse cultures. Because I think it's really important that we recognize that like games are all played by people and people are responsible for some of these really bad cultures. Because this means that on the one hand, you know, we should probably be quite critical of uh, video gaming cultures that are upheld by people. But also we should see that as individuals, we can play games and maybe make them better or have a better experience ourselves if we are engaging in them with friends or, or trying to get the best out of them that we can. Because I actually think video games are a fantastic social opportunity for a variety of reasons. And I feel like last episode, we might have left off on a pretty negative note about them. So Fred, you were telling me a fascinating story last time about how you've tried to manage some of the cultures within one of the video games that you play quite a bit. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that again, just so that we can kind of get a sense of how people do this themselves? Well, one of the things I want to acknowledge to begin with is we often talk about video games as a young person's thing, but <laughs> my generation, um, you know, and I'm, I'm about your dad's age, I think I'm 48 yeah. now, we're probably the generation, I think of us as kind of the console generation, it's when video mm. games became a little bit more broadly accessible. Even the concept of video games is an odd term, really, isn't it? <laughs> but I don't game. I don't, certainly don't game the way that you do, but I do <laughs> play a game. I won't mention which one because uh, I have my own moments in that game as well where I probably mm -hmm. don't act as well as I could and we don't want to reveal pixels you. up. And well, one of the things that happened, uh, that game has a Discord. And for those that don't know or didn't listen to last week, Discord is a sort of a social media platform that links specifically to a gaming community. I'm sure it can be used for other things, but it's really good. Gamers really like it because it allows you to talk about the game outside of the game, share information strategies. And it's an attempt from people playing a game to create community when the game doesn't necessarily allow free text, although the game that I play does. In the gaming channel, the gaming chat or global chat, I think they call it, mm. a dialogue came up about a Netflix product called The Sandman. Now, for aspiring psychologists out there, um, for friends of pop culture that read comic books, which I do, The Sandman's been around for a while and it goes through a lot of dialogue around the human condition. It's brilliant. It's written by Neil Gaiman, who's a really famous author in the space. Oh, fantastic. The TV show is very, very, very faithful to the source material and it's brilliant. 
And from a casting perspective, they've picked the best people for the roles. One of the depictions of the seven endless is death. And in the comic book, she's depicted as a white Anglo-Saxon gothic style presentation in the show they depict that character as an african of sort of british uh influence so quite an international feel to it and death is a concept it's not a person so the actress does a brilliant <laughs> job very faithful it's it's remarkable and and probably one of the most likable characters in the show but people were outraged by that and by the idea that there is a gender fluidity to some of the characters. Some are clearly being played quite openly and were cast specifically consistent with the source material as non-binary. We're talking about these concepts like dream, desire, destiny that are very big. So they're not going to kind of fit into a particular mm. mould. And the issue was people took offence to this and they were discussing it in the global chat of my game. Now, one of the things I'm aware of is the source material. I've actually read it as opposed to other people. Uh, the second is that the person that wrote it is actually the writer and executive producer on the show. So they're talking about his creations that he's depicting in his way. And that was they were being really disparaging. And, and it went from casual commentary to some really racist and really derogatory language about marginalised groups. I stepped in and said, whilst everybody's entitled to an opinion, this isn't the forum for it because the game itself has a really international audience and a large LGBTQI component to the game. There's lots of players that identify that way. And the game can be from anywhere from 13 and up. So you're going mm. to talk about kids that might be struggling with identity seeing these older white cisgender Anglo-Saxon men, you know, complaining about how, you know, the world's woke. And I, I love how woke <laughs> has become an insult. Uh, mm. And uh, they took offence to me, you know, sort of having my say on their say. Mm. And then it blew up in Discord. Uh, and so what I simply did is went and shot the shit out of everything and said, you know, you'll, you'll stop it or the beatings continue, which is what <laughs> you can do in a game. What was really surprising for me is that people from all over the game in Discord leapt to defence of what I was doing, which was we're not telling you you're not allowed to have an opinion. We're just simply saying in the forum that you're in, you're intentionally being provocative mm, mm. at the expense of others. And in a game like the game we play, there's no room for that. You know, if you want to hate, jump on other forums, jump on Reddit, ring, you know, AM radio. You can do all of those <laughs> things. Yeah. But in this space, the 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 greater majority of people don't see a courtesy um, as a deficit. Mm. And, you know, one of the things I could do to enforce my point of view was just use my power in the game mm -hmm. or abuse my power in the game. I don't know. The game is about blowing people up. So it's not exactly... Um, outside of the game dynamic, Matt, to do what I did. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, you don't become a significant player in a small digital universe if you don't blow people up. It's <laughs> part of the game dynamic. So I accelerated my game at their expense and they gave me a good reason too. And, mm -hmm. you know, they called me names like Petty and Bully and all the rest of it. But it's, you know, I was just playing the game. My motivation for why I blew them up might have been a bit different. Yeah, yeah. But... I did learn in that environment that, that a culture of live and let live, which is what I believe in, mm. um, was quite prevailing for most people. 
Yeah. It's so interesting that the people that maybe had been so derogatory for some time were accusing you of bullying and accusing you of being petty because you yeah. responded to their sharing of opinions yeah. through the mechanisms of the game that you're entirely entitled to do, as I understand. Um, but to them, perhaps they didn't see their own commentary as any form of bullying or uh, disparagement, it seems. Um, and you, you mentioned that some of the other people in the game kind of got alongside with you. You're a bit surprised by this because you'd not been working so closely with them before no I, I'd, I'd been blowing them up quite yeah frankly. Right. um so it was a great meeting of the minds of people that otherwise you know the games aren't real life <laughs> but you know if you blow up my pixels and i blow up your pixels then there's a little bit of rivalry that develops but what was interesting the game play was very different to the dialogue about the game in things like the Discord. Mm. Because Discord allows you to really say to somebody, as I would say to you now, and there's a voice channel which I, I never participate in, but what you said in that context, and, and what I found really interesting is the framing of the points that you guys were making was intentionally provocative mm. you weren't doing it because you were discussing pop culture mm. you use pop culture as a way to punch down on marginalized people mm. and you did it in an environment where those marginalized people can populate and see it mm. so really you were you were weaponizing an opinion to create controversy mm. you got what you wanted and now you're crying like a baby about it because you didn't upset you know, a weak minority, you upset it, you, you know, you upset rather the um, assertive majority. Mm. Since then, some of those people that participated in what I call hate left the game. They just went, oh, okay. Oh, right. You know, because mm. you can only get obliterated a certain amount of times when, and then it becomes not fun. So mm. they, mm. they left the game. <laughs> and, and I think that was a really good example of people just being people and that the digital world is just a microcosm of the real world that we're in. Mm. And I liken it to if you went to a convention for a common interest, and you know, I say you went to a comic book convention and people are there with signs saying, don't diversify characters. They probably get shunned by the majority of people there. Yeah. The problem is the internet allows those fringe groups with loud voices on controversial issues the capacity to come together. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really odd. Like, do you really want to go into your video game and talk about, you know, representation in media? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think this is such a good contrast to some of the more like, troubling dynamics that we discussed in our previous episode because like what i love to see here is that it sounds like the whole gaming community in this space came together and said actually we, we aren't going to accept this behavior and and was able to respond to it in quite a communitarian and organic way but like quite crucially i think it sounds like there's enough infrastructure to allow them to come together to have that kind of conversation because you've got the discord which lets you see and communicate with these individuals and you also have a regular player base we talked a little about this last time you have a regular player base that is in the same world or whatever so that you can identify who are the bad actors and who's talking smack and mm. then respond to them um in like a kind of coherent way um yeah. which i think is very different to some other video games that i'd attribute to having a more toxic culture or at least less accountability where it's it's much harder to have the infrastructure to identify who is or isn't like a good actor or, or who might be warranting a little bit more of um, a majority response sort of thing 
Absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about your experience of that. Have you ever seen your community? You talk to me about the idea that sometimes the bad actor, I do like that term, um, could be someone that you are relatively close to. Someone yeah. that, you know, you know, in the real world. It definitely makes it harder when, when people are behaving in ways that, that you don't think is appropriate, especially online, because that sometimes gives people a bit more license than they might in, in the real world. Maybe you know someone um, and they you know wouldn't behave like this normally, but they're acting out a little bit online. It can be quite difficult to um, meaningfully challenge them because what you've described is something where it's very clear that someone's behaved poorly and that has no no place in your video game and so you guys can respond maybe they choose to stick around maybe they even leave the game but what happens when you're friends with this person or when their participation in the game is something that you don't want to end you just want to maybe censor their behavior a little bit and i think that i've seen some very interesting kind of organic developments of the way that we engage with this kind of behavior um through my peer group and, and people that I know, because we've started to use teenage and young person language to call out behavior like this. So the, the term that has come about when people are acting poorly is to use the word cringe to describe them. Now, cringe isn't saying hateful. It's not saying racist. It's not saying abusive. It's saying you're cringe, you're childish, you're, you're um, undesirable and being a little bit um, unthoughtful, I suppose. And, and so... We've come to be able to use this, I think, to sense the behavior of ourselves, but also of just like random anonymous people online who also don't want to be seen as cringe for some reason, um, to to have a have a vocabulary that lets us call out this kind of troubling behavior in a way that isn't too confrontational, I think. Because if you if you are out there calling people out, particularly people you know as racist or homophobic or sexist or whatever, even if they are behaving that way, I think there's a kind of essentializing quality to those words that says you are a racist rather than this piece of behavior was racist and you really shouldn't be doing that in this space. You should reevaluate your opinions sort of things. And so I think given the internet licenses people to maybe behave poorly, perhaps in ways they might not if they were more thoughtful, I really like this idea that the way you behaved there was cringe or you're being cringe mm. stop that and it's quite it's a language that i think that most of my peers and people in video games understand particularly younger people and i think it's something that seemed to be a problem without being like quite so personal of an attack and i also think it's something that maybe the majority that you talked about can get behind a bit more for some reason that, that i kind of dispute i think we have a bit of a um of a challenge in our modern world around this idea of wokeness or whatever or whatever of actually being socially conscious people seem to not want to take stance on these issues which i think is a shame but nonetheless that's the case and so i think rather than trying to ask the majority to take a stand on whether this person anonymous or not uh whether their behavior was appropriate we can say were well, they being cringe are they being childish are they being like a little bit of a bully, are they being annoying? And the answer is, well, yes. And then people get behind that a lot more comfortably, I think. So I think that's very interesting how people are trying to develop their own language to police their own video games and to kind of um, understand what is and isn't appropriate based on some kind of intangible community standard and then using that to police one another through the language that we choose to use. So a question about that though, the game itself, mm. What I would have liked to have seen is an administrator from the game step in rather than have the game community right. um, enforce a standard. Do you think that 
game developers have an obligation or do you think that that's overreach? Mm. No, that's a fantastic question. It's a difficult one for sure. Um, I think that in an ideal world, game developers would have stronger powers to to police things like this um, because really I, I don't think it's that risky of getting like false falsely condemned or whatever, right? You've got like text chat. You can see what people typed. It's pretty easy to kind of trace the receipts that kind of thing and so to me it it feels like it's a space where we could have better policing but i've never seen it done in a way that makes me satisfied with it and maybe that's not to say that it can't happen but i think the sheer number of people around the the ease with which people can create new accounts the ease of anonymity online makes it very very difficult for game developers to meaningfully police behavior beyond creating stricter structures like the removal of free text and that kind of thing so that's the only kind of structural way i've seen it done effectively thus i think there's something to be said for the opportunity for individuals to kind of police their own spaces in these games and you know sort of moving forward i guess the question i have is you know it's not about right or wrong it was about right for me at the time but Mm. Is it worthwhile? Because the other thing that might have happened is somebody might have turned around and said, um, my opinion might have been the minority. Mm, yeah. So I might have been set upon, you know, as a, a left-wing woke soy boy. Yeah. It's all yes. game speak at the moment. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. Left-wing woke soy boy. I've seen that term. And I sort Perfect. of think, why Why are we taking soy milk for? It's It's... <laughs> it's otherwise inoffensive, isn't it? I don't know. It's but, because um, it reduces your testosterone levels. Oh, does it? Is that yeah, what it does? Yeah, oh, no, it does. Man, so you're a weak soy boy. How could you? <laughs> there you go. That's that's context I didn't understand. This is why we do this podcast, people, for me to learn all about a new generation's insults. But <laughs> had I been on the receiving end, I wonder what I would have done. And I think part of the issue would have been probably taken social cues and shut up quicker mm. than some people did. I find it really remarkable in real life, whether it be in a digital forum or face-to-face, when people with really controversial views choose to dig down mm. to get out. Because the other thing that I, I got to a point in that d- discussion where I just hit the block button mm, because yeah. I, I don't need to be right and I don't need to be wrong. I just need to stop the content that's getting in my face, right? Mm. Like five minutes of investment's too much for some random voice in the ether. I don't care. You're ignorant. Um, you want to call me names. You, you know, and I'm just going to block you and then just go blow your shit up. Yeah. Do you think that part of the issue is that we don't hit that block button very often or we don't, you know, because I, I, I would have thought psychologically the worst thing you can do to someone that wants attention is just to remove that attention, right? So that's yeah. the best punishment ever. Just ignore them. Yeah. But I find that people will go on for hours and hours and hours rather than just block a loud voice that's trying to be intentionally controversial. Yeah, I don't have the solution to that because this is my this is what I do whenever I come across bad behavior like this, pretty much. Um, I will just say I don't have to listen to this shit. It's time to meet you. Um, But plenty of people don't. Um, I think that there's like almost like a pathological need to engage with this controversy sometimes. I don't know if there's a sense of I I want to change their mind because I think that we kind of have come to the point that we recognize that internet discourse like this doesn't change people's minds. So I don't think that that's where it comes from. But I think there's this sense of I might need to be right 
could be one reason that people continue to participate. Um, and I also wonder if it's just a sense of, man, I've got nothing else to do, nothing better to do, or this affects me somehow, right? So I'm thinking in, in some of my team games, if one of my teammates is is behaving like an absolute bastard, either they're, they're not playing the game very well, they're being toxic to their teammates or whatever, um, there can be something deeply infuriating about that getting in the way of my success that night. And so I think that's the one thing that might, encourage me to actually engage with someone's behavior like this either to call them out um or to ask them to like can we cooperate to win this game please for the love of god would be the sense of your bad behavior your inability to work as a team your inability to act as a decent human being is undermining my own experience um of playing this game tonight so i think that that like might in a small sense be one of the reasons people don't just mute people in video games but i think that there's like I have not been able to come up with a satisfactory reason why people feel compelled to participate in these discussions. But I do think there's a sense of compulsion. I think there's a sense of, I know that I don't want to be having this internet discourse. In fact, I've talked to plenty of people who say, I've spent far too much time in this internet discourse. I hate it, but I just can't stop. Mm. And I don't know where that comes from because I've not felt that compulsion. Well, that psychologically, one of the things we know is that aberrant personalities in, you know, in that clinical context often have this really magnetic ability to draw people in mm -hmm. and it's almost like an exchange of energy right they're, they're energy vampires they want to get you they want to hook you with controversy and they don't feed off being right they feed off being noticed right um and it's interesting that in the in the example that i gave i think that was very much the intention of at least three bad actors right but they got more than they could handle right, right they they got the attention that they wanted but all the with the exception of one who was the most controversial and remained so as i'm told the others had to check out because mm. they couldn't deal with the groundswell of negative feedback they were getting it was too earnest it was too real and they didn't get that sugar hit or that endorphin rush from the attention mm, right the other element to that is and i don't know if this is relevant or not but um one of the things is that the group of people i play with are a really powerful in-game group insofar as their pixels are a bit bigger and, and meaner than others <laughs> pixels yeah so it, it it's interesting to get uh some verbal feedback but if they make the thing you're playing less fun yeah because they can because might makes right then um, I think people self-select out and go and find other places to get the attention where there's a more even playing field. And you've talked about games that kind of reset every round and those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah. So I think it's fascinating. I think it's the the milk of human kindness knows no bounds. And in a psychological perspective, um, if a group is mobilized around a worthy cause, I think that becomes very hard for aberrant personalities to put up with. Mm. I find it really easy for those personalities to try to trigger people in a digital space, but just like the real world, they can't stand up to it when they're given earnest, honest feedback that says you're not okay right now. Yeah, yeah. I really liked your your example of the way that you and the people around you are able to kind of work together to create a more positive gaming space because we talked about structures last episode and we talked about kind of the insufficiency, which we've also touched on this time, um, which is very unfortunate because it shouldn't fall on the individual players. But it was interesting to see the, the, the opportunities that you guys took to kind of 
quite coherently um, respond to some of these challenges. Probably the biggest critique from one of the bad actors was, who made you the police of global chat? <laughs> yeah. And my response was, it's a self-appointed position because mm. I can. That's right, because you've got the biggest pixels, as you like That's to say. Right. Yeah. Perfect. That's <laughs> right. And and since then, I, I now don't have the biggest pixels, but even the second biggest pixels seem to be a big enough stick. So it's a fascinating world. And thank you for raising the topic, Matt, because it's another environment where humans are humans. And this is a big part about the psychological underpinning of this podcast is mm. whether you're old or young, um, whether you're tall or short, you know, we're all still people. And, yeah. uh, and in the digital space, we're seeing more and more examples of real life playing out. Uh, mm. And I think it's fascinating. So mm. thank you, listeners. Thank you for this week. Please tune in again next week for another episode of If I Only Knew. Thank you, Matt. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Better Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.